Tonight, we're in part three of our four-part series titled Chained to Unforgiveness. Now, as I say that word unforgiveness, I fully recognize that a lot of different types of emotions can stir up in our souls right about now. So let me go ahead and take a moment to recap where we've been in this series. Sound good? Now keep in mind, if you miss any part of the messages, don't worry, we got you covered. You can go check them out on our podcast. Just search NH Young Adults on Spotify. But if you're here for part one, you might recall how we defined what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. We spoke about how forgiveness is not a band-aid for our brokenness, and it's not a justification to allow others to continually mistreat us. But rather, forgiveness is clearly defined as an ongoing process we step into in order to achieve freedom within our own lives. Then if you were with us in part two, we had a guest speaker come and he gave us a good framework on how to evaluate the health of our relationships as we enter into this process of forgiveness. But my question tonight is what do we do when we wanna enter into this ongoing process of forgiveness that everybody talks about, but we can't forget the things that happened to us? What do we do when we want to forgive, but we don't understand why that thing in our past that deeply hurt us still hurts? See, growing up, my grandma had this phrase that she would often tell me. And maybe it's a phrase that you heard as well. In fact, if you know it, go ahead and chime in. But it goes like this. It says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I can tell some of you heard it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So when I was in elementary school, and the boy that I had the absolute biggest crush on came in and told the whole class that I wasn't pretty enough as he went and chose Olivia over me. I went home, brokenhearted to my Nana, who made me repeat, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or then there was a time when all of the girls that I completely trusted in my friend group turned their back on me. Devastated, I went home to my Nana who made me repeat, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or then there was a time when my parent got remarried and the new spouse in their life who was supposed to love me and protect me walk into a grocery store with me and said, you know what, Abby, you're just an embarrassment to be seen with. Well, that day I went home to my Nana's house and she kind of wrinkled her nose and took a deep breath when she heard that one. But she said, you just remember, if someone ever says something like that to you again, look them right back in the eye and say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But my question for us is what do we do when the words do hurt? What do we do when we wanna forgive? but we can't forget the words that were so carelessly spoken over us. What do we do when we wanna heal, but something in our past still hurts? See, the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 18, says that careless words are like swords. Didn't expect that one, did you? But not only are these careless words like swords, but rather the proverb says that careless words are like sword thrust. Now stick with me. See, for every beautiful picture in our life that has been pierced with pain, there most likely were some careless words attached to it. And personally in my life, I've never been stabbed before. But I bet you if I ever had been, 
I could tell you every single detail. And the fact of the matter is, I bet if I pulled up a chair and I said, hey, tell me about the time when that hurt happened to you. Tell me about that experience that you immediately thought of when you heard the word unforgiveness. I bet you could tell me everything. I bet you could tell me the exact work assignment you were doing when that person said that you were unqualified. I bet you could tell me exactly what you were wearing when that person said that you were not enough even after you did the thing that you still regret to this day. I bet you could tell me the exact details of the place you were in when that person said that they didn't love you anymore. I bet you could tell me everything. And why? It's because what happened to you was an event. See, Proverbs said that careless words are like sword stabs. Stabbing is an event. So no wonder you can't seem to forget the thing that happened to you. It's because those words that day created a wound for you. It put a puncture through your story. And the thing about a puncture wound is it might not look like much, but we never truly know just how deep it goes. And honestly, the same can be true when it comes to hurt in our lives. When a past hurt still hurts, it's a trigger to us that something has happened where a wound has been created and now it's our job to do the hard work of forgiving because the picture that God is writing over your story is worth you healing. And it shouldn't be distorted from a wound that was never supposed to be there in the first place. Because the truth is, is there's a better you. There's a more at peace you. There's a more confident you that can only be freed when you engage in the process of forgiveness. And you know, the word of God gives evidence to this fact. And you might be asking, well, where? Well, the encounter I wanna look at tonight comes from the life of a man named Joseph. And to give us a little context before we dive in, Joseph was a man who knew a thing or two about what it meant to be stabbed in the back and betrayed by those who were supposed to love him the most. And Genesis chapter 30 is the first time we're introduced to Joseph, where we see that Joseph is the son of a man named Jacob and the half sibling to 10 older brothers. And you know, we talk about careless words being a sword stab. Well, Joseph heard it all because so often his brothers would mock and ridicule him because of these God-given gifts that God had placed in his life from the time he was a young boy. So the brothers would burn in anger out of their frustration for their younger brother, Joseph. And I guess we could say that frustration kind of ran in the family when it came to having issues with the siblings. Because if you look just a little bit previous in the book of Genesis, you would see the boy's father, Jacob, also had frustrations with his brother Esau, who he deceived. See, isn't it fascinating that tonight we're gonna to be looking at the life of Joseph and its frustrations with his brothers. But you can look just one generation back and see that his father went through the exact same struggles. And it makes me wonder, have you ever noticed that if you don't take the time to heal something, the process of pain will eventually come up again and again and again and again, even impacting future generations until you choose to do something about it. And see, this is why this series is so powerful because together we're after breaking chains and ending cycles of unforgiveness because we believe in what God has for us. Now, I know that's not just John Arthur Green believing that. Do you guys believe that? God has more for your story. 
See, Joseph, just in that little snapshot, we learned something from his life that both you and I can take away today. And you wanna know what it is? It's this. We can't change what we experience, but we can choose how the experience changes us. You see, after Joseph had these frustrations with his brothers, they formed this scheme where they sold him off into slavery. And then they went home to their father and lied and said that Joseph had died. But even then, the word of God says that the hand of God was upon Joseph, working all things out together for his good. And though Joseph couldn't change what he experienced, and neither can you and I, Joseph did have a say on if and when he was gonna go through the process of healing. Now, how Joseph did that is what I wanna look at tonight. You know, in Colorado, there's a phenomenal pastor. His name is Sean Johnson. And Sean has this three-step formula on how to enter into the process of forgiveness, and it's this. Feel it, face it, forgive it. Let's wake up and have some fun. Y'all are gonna say, feel it. Y'all are gonna say, face it. You guys are gonna say, oh, we got some listeners in the house of God today. Let's try it again. It's All right, if you're ready to see what it means, let me hear you say, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. When past hurts still hurt, the first step in the forgiveness formula is for us to feel it. Feel it. See, Joseph had numerous past hurts that were like stab wounds within his story. And though he couldn't change what he went through, he did have a say in how those things would impact him. But in order to come to this realization, Joseph first needed to feel it. After Joseph's brother sold him, it said the hand of God was upon Joseph to the point where he became the governor of Egypt. See, even in that process of pain, we see that God was working all things out together for good. And that's the same promise God gives you and I. In Romans chapter eight, it says that we know that in all things, God works for the good, for the what? Good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God plans to work all things in your life together for good. It's exactly what we see happen in Joseph's story. I told you earlier how from a young age, Joseph had noticeable gifts in his life from God. Well, one of those gifts allowed Joseph to prophesy that one day there would be a famine upon Egypt where there would be no food in the land. So Joseph was able to connect with the Pharaoh and they made this plot that they were gonna start storing up grain so that when the famine came, they would be ready for it. So years later, when the famine actually happened, Egypt was secure and safe because of the abundance of grain they had stocked up. And this safety attracted all of the nearby lands, including the land where Joseph's brothers were. It said in the word of God that when the brothers heard that Egypt was secure, they made this plan to go and bow before the governor of Egypt to beg him for some bread. But little did they know the brother they were bowing before was actually the brother that they sold into slavery so many years ago. It said that as the brothers approached the palace, they didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. And immediately when he saw him, Joseph turned away from them and wept, the scripture said. See, don't miss it. Joseph had to feel the languish and the lament of what had happened to him. 
Multiple times from this scripture on, we see that whenever Joseph was dealing with his brothers, he would often go and find a place to weep. In other words, whenever he was triggered by a past hurt, he allowed it to be a reminder in him that he needed to go and feel and process what has happened to him. But see, sometimes, if you're anything like me, we don't allow ourselves to feel in the process of forgiveness. And it's often because we can convince ourselves that it's a weakness to weep. But see, when we believe that it's a weakness to weep, we stunt the healing work that God wants to do in our life. When we believe it's a weakness to weep, we stunt the healing process that God wants to do to, in our lives. In order to heal, we need to feel. And so my question for you tonight is what do you need to feel? See, so often we can walk away wounded because we don't wanna acknowledge the pain of what we've been through. We don't wanna go back and feel those feelings all over again. And sometimes in Christianity, we can even convince ourselves that it's not godly to feel things like anger or resentment. I told you earlier how if you're anything like me, you probably struggle with this. Well, personally for me, I don't struggle with crying. Okay, in fact, if you've been to young adults, some of you are laughing because I've put it in a couple messages. I cry all the time sometimes. But you know one thing that I am really struggling with? Allowing myself to feel anger. But notice, feeling is different from living. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus is our maker, who's given us all the feelings and emotions in order for us to feel them. And feeling is different from living. Check this out, author Lisa Turkis. She says, feeling angry is different from living angry. Feeling wronged is different from living wrong. Feeling resentment is different from living resentful. Hear me, you've got to feel it so you don't repress it and start living like it. What do you need to feel in order to heal? Because just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to live like it. God has a better story for you and I put it in my notes like this. Unhealed hurt can produce anger and anger can produce bitterness. And bitterness is what breeds unforgiveness. Hear me, as cliche as it sounds, choose to get better, not bitter. Joseph allowed himself to weep. So what do you need to do in order to walk through the process of forgiveness in full? So when past hurts still hurt, we're first called to what? Feel it. Let's try it again. We're first called to what? Feel it. The second thing we're called to do, you remember it? You want to help me out? Face it. Face it. Everybody say face it. How many of you here, you ever broken a bone before? See, growing up as a child, I broke one bone in my body. Now, if I stood up here and said, hey, try to guess, you know, what bone I broke as a young child, a normal acceptable answer would be an arm, a leg maybe. If we're getting wild with it, we could say foot. But do you know what Abby chose to break as a young child? My pinky finger. How dainty is that? One bone I broke was my pinky finger and I still remember the day it happened. I came running home to my mom and I said, my pinky, my pinky, I think it broke. And she looked at me because we both knew that I had a sleepover to go to later that weekend. So I'll never forget, she replied in the most Southern way. She says, I know what to do. Let's put some duct tape on it. So we duct taped my finger. I went away for the weekend 
came back, pinky still throbbing in pain, and we realized that I had indeed broken my pinky finger. But hear me, because I didn't give the broken bone the attention it deserved at the start, to this day, my one finger doesn't function as well as the other one. Now hear me. In the same way we can't place duct tape over a broken bone and expect healing to happen, we cannot expect to heal our brokenness by delaying or denying our healing. You've got to face it. In order to heal, we need to feel, but the next step is to face it. Healing cannot happen until you face the fact that you were hurt. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't minimize it. You know what I would absolutely hate for us to do? I would hate for us to walk through step one of this process and feel all those emotions of when the hurt happened to us just to stop our growth right there because we don't want to face the reality of what happened. Stop running from reality when somebody hurts you. It's enough to face it in order to heal it. See, I was writing this message a couple weeks ago when this really came face to face with me because I was texting someone. You ever get one of those long text messages like a novel? <laughs> I got this long novel of a text message from this person who was really wronged and they were telling me just how angry they were. And as I read through the message, I could see exactly why they had anger. It was justifiable. But as I went to reply, I noticed that they sent me one more message. They said, you know, it's fine. Is it fine? Because your novel of a text message kind of tells me otherwise. Hear me, it takes work to feel, but we need to realize that in order to heal, there's another step of the process, and it's to face it. Facing the fact that we were hurt means that we must acknowledge the pain that we feel. Maybe even allow what you lost to walk away. And if the situation calls for it, maybe even evaluate some places where you were in the wrong and you can take away and learn some growth. See, after Joseph weeps over seeing his brothers for the first time, he then hears them talking about a younger brother named Benjamin. And it causes him to face the reality that he doesn't even know Benjamin because Benjamin was the one who was born after Joseph was sold into slavery. So Joseph is standing here. His brothers still don't recognize him. And he says, hey, I'll give you some grain if you go back home and bring the younger brother you're talking about with you. So the brothers go and they do exactly what they said. They bring young Benjamin to Egypt. And the word of God continues and says that Joseph lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son, he said to Benjamin. Then Joseph hurried out. For his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber, and he wept right there. See, Joseph, he had to feel what had happened to him. He had to feel the hurt of what happened to him and the impact it had on his life. But then he had to face the reality that years of his life were stolen from him, and it caused him to miss out on knowing his younger brother. And you know, maybe you're here tonight. And you can relate because you feel like there's some areas in your life that were stolen from you. Maybe for you, it was that happy childhood. Maybe for you, it was the loving embrace of a father who told you that he was proud of you. Maybe you feel like years of your life were stolen from you because of a health diagnosis. Or maybe you struggle with feeling like the promise of forever was robbed from you. 
whatever it is for you, I want you to know tonight that in the same way a wound can't heal overnight, neither can our brokenness. We need to feel, we need to face in order for us to forgive. See, even if something left you feeling broken, even if something left you feeling wounded and chained up, it does not mean that you or your story are worthless. God has good for you. God is still in the business of working all things out for good. Here in the scriptures, Joseph is standing in the midst of the brothers who have heartlessly hurt him. He's feeling those feelings, and yet he's facing the reality that years of his life were stolen, but he's journeying through this formula of forgiveness in order for him to feel it, to forgive it, and then to face it, because his story is worthy of it. So Joseph does this when he reveals himself to his brothers in Genesis 45, as he says, come near to me, please. And the brothers came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you've sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So truly it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph standing in the midst of the hurt, feeling it in full, while acknowledging the reality of the situation. Because the truth is, if this hurt wouldn't have happened, Joseph would have never became the governor of Egypt. And if Joseph never became the governor of Egypt, then he would never have been able to aid and help in the famine. And if he wasn't there to help aid in the famine, then thousands upon thousands of people would have died. See, maybe you grew up without a dad so that one day you would be a great one. Maybe you experienced that broken relationship so that you would learn to value the next one coming differently. Maybe what happened to you really wasn't for you, but for someone else to have a testimony about God. God is in the business of doing better than we can ask, think, or imagine. And God has better things in store for your life that brokenness cannot enter into. He will allow you to face disappointment, but God will bring you out better than you could ever believe. At the start of this series, when I was planning all these messages, we had an event at our church called Reveal where Pastor Reese's wife, Steph, leads it. And I was talking to Steph and she was telling me about how I should really come and check out one of the Reveal events. So I show up and you'll never believe what they were talking about, forgiveness. And I was thinking to myself, man, I just wrote all these messages about it. Now you're talking about it. God must really wanna do a work in my life about forgiveness. As I'm listening, Steph said this great quote that really stuck with me. She said this, we have to trust the goodness of God even when we don't see the whole picture. We have to trust the goodness of who? God. Even when the circumstance wouldn't have been described as good. Even when the actions of the other party involved wouldn't be even where close to using the word good to describe them. We must trust in the never changing, never failing, good name of our God. It's exactly what Joseph did. And because he did it, he was able to step into the final step of our forgiveness process. See, when past hurts still hurt, we're first called to feel it, then we're called to face it, but we're lastly called to forgive it. 
After Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he provides them with enough grain in abundance. Then the brothers go home and they tell the father the news that he never expected to hear, that the son he thought had died was alive and well. And I love the Bible, because you know the Bible's like a little love story. In this text, it says that when he, that's Jacob the father, saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. See, although Jacob was old and advanced in his years, at the moment he heard the sound of hope that his son was alive, he decided to go running to Egypt. And when he arrived, he saw not only the best thing ever of his son that he thought was dead to being alive, but he also got to see all of Joseph's children as well. The Bible says that when Jacob saw this, he prayed a blessing over each and every single one of them. In Genesis 48, we see that after Jacob prayed over Joseph and his sons, that later on, Jacob then took his last breath and he died. And Joseph's brothers are watching how they had this beautiful reunion that was now cut short by death. The word of God continued on and said that when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they say it may be that Joseph will hate us and will pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did this evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, your father. Joseph wept when he spoke to him. And then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we're your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See again, in this one scripture, we see that Joseph is walking through this formula of forgiveness when he feels by weeping over the situation. Then he faces the reality that because this hurt happened, he missed out on years of getting to know his father. But because he feels it, and because he faces it, he can then make the choice to forgive it. But see, I don't want you to miss this next part. I wonder if you recall earlier in the message, when I was giving you some context about the life of Joseph, I mentioned how his father Jacob also had frustrations with his brother Esau. Well, if we study the word of God and we go way back to the beginning text of Genesis, where Jacob had first had his sons, we see that there was this encounter where Joseph was a very young child and he knew that his father was gonna come and face the brother that he had wronged for the very first time. The text said that Jacob lined up all his servants, lined up all his sons, and because Joseph was the favorite, he put him last of all. And as they walked and approached Esau, Jacob fell on his knees, knowing that he was so unworthy of forgiveness knowing that he was the very last person for his brother to forgive. And he got on his knees and he begged him with everything within him, please forgive me. And it's said that when Jacob came and he kneeled on the ground seven times as he came near to his brother, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. Joseph 
was the one right next to his father as a young child. As he watched his dad anxiously fall to his knees, begging for forgiveness. And he watched as his uncle embraced somebody that was so unworthy of grace. See, Joseph that day got a firsthand encounter of what it was like to see a picture of forgiveness in full. And did you notice in the text, if we could go back for a minute, it said that Joseph now in his adult life was witnessing his brothers coming before him, bowing to the ground. They were probably anxious. They were probably thinking that they were so unworthy of grace. But Joseph remembered that image he had as a child and he chose to forgive. See, when you forgive, you tell the story different. When you forgive, you walk different. When you forgive, you post on social media different. And when you forgive, you are fully able to receive the best blessings that God has for you. Forgiveness ends the cycle of chaos. For we cannot grasp the blessing of God if we're clenching fists of bitterness. And I wonder what generations will be changed, what stories of God's glory will be told, all because you made the choice to trust God and forgive it. So feel it, face it, and then make the choice to forgive it. Would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes? See, I'm well aware tonight that just as I said at the start, as you heard that word forgiveness, maybe a situation came to you, to your mind. I imagine for some of us that this message is stirring up a memory and maybe you see there's an area in this formula of forgiveness that you need to grow in. If that's you, I simply wanna give you the opportunity to be prayed for right now. So maybe you're here and you would say that you haven't given yourself space to feel the hurt that's happened to you. Maybe you haven't allowed yourself to say, you know what, I was wronged. And that experience that happened to me, those words that were told to me, they really created a wound for me. Maybe you feel the tears coming. Maybe you're wrestling with anger. If that's you with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna pray for you. Would you raise your hand? I see you, I see you. Maybe you're here tonight and you would say that you haven't faced your situation in full yet. Maybe you've chosen to stuff things down instead of choosing to face them. And maybe when I was speaking about those areas in your life that feel like they were stolen from you, maybe you could relate to that in full. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I would love to pray for you right now. I see you, I see you, I see you. And maybe you're here tonight and you're having this moment where you're seeing that you really need to forgive someone. Right now, that person's name and face is coming to your mind and you've processed the feelings, you face the reality of the situation and now you're ready to forgive knowing that grace can be placed on someone and not based on someone. If that's you, I wanna know that forgiveness doesn't have to be this grand show. The other person doesn't even have to know that you're forgiving them. What matters most is the choice that you're choosing to make right here in this moment. Saying, although that thing that happened to me wasn't right, I will no longer let it define my life. If that's you, would you go ahead and raise your hand? I would love to pray for you right now. 
I see you, I see you, I see you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Jesus, knowing that you are a trustworthy father and you are exactly who you say you are. God, you tell us that the prerequisite we have coming to you is a broken heart. And so God, we come before you, fully acknowledging the realities of the situations in this room. God, all we, though we don't know the persons or the feelings or the situations that happen to them, God, we know that you are a good father. Your heart weeps with your children. And God, you care about them so much that you refuse to let your child walk around with a wound. So God, I pray for whoever just needs to have a moment where they feel the situation of what happened. I pray that they would be reminded that God, no matter what they feel, you are bigger and you are able to carry it all, God. I pray that you would allow them not to feel a pressure to perform, not to feel any anxiety that they shouldn't be feeling a certain way. But God, would you be that safe space so that every chain will break in the name of Jesus, God, for there is still power in your name. God, we pray for the person today that's just needing to face the reality that things in their life were stolen from them. God, I thank you that your word says that you are a God that redeems what the locust has eaten. And so God, we declare in the name of Jesus that we are believing for better things within their life, that you will be a God that restores, that you will be a God that will redeem, and you will do this all better than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And God, lastly, we pray for the person that just needs to forgive. God, I thank you that although no one's looking, although no one's around, although that person might not even ever know about this holy moment that's happening here in the room right now, God, I thank you that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall brow, every chain shall break, and it's exactly what we declare in this situation. That thing that happens to you no longer defines you. That person that said those words to you are no longer your story. You are a chosen creation. So God, we pray for a restoration in belief. We pray the power of Jesus over this place tonight. God, we love you and we praise you and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen.